Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Wow. 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 And I'm not talking World of Warcraft here. No cheesy puns. What a week it has been. Theric and Omega, I don't even want to waste a second. Are you guys ready? I'm ready, man. Let's do this thing. I'm ready. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. So starting in VR news, there's a lot to talk about, but I'm going to start with probably the biggest news, in my opinion, that we got to see this week. And we'll talk about the dev stream in just a minute, but due to some difficulties streaming during that dev stream, we were actually um, basically given an extra little thing to be excited about. Now, sure, we were supposed to see that during the stream, but we were treated the next day with an in-game footage uh, piece showing how the perception system worked. Now, to begin with, I want to break a few things down. The graphics were incredible. Um, as a content creator that gets a lot of negative and positive input on Pantheon, there's always been a lot of negative comments thrown towards the game's graphics. After watching this, I do not have any clue how people could still feel this way. The color, textures, lighting, climbing, and the life portrayed by the world in this video was absolutely incredible. It also showed how massive Oldwood was. Um, when he was standing on the log, like sort of looking around the landscape in the video, you could truly feel overwhelmed by the size. Knowing that you could climb up on almost everything, which they showed quite a bit of, it also took my mind to wondering, I wonder what's up there. And typically in MMORPGs, you see high areas. It's more of just flavor for the zone. It's not something you're going to go explore. Um, yeah, some games have flying, but it's still different when you can climb and go look at it and find it on your own. Now, moving away from the visuals, the perception system itself hit an all-time high on my scale of interest. Admittedly, while I enjoy lore and I do like storytelling, I'm not as deep of a diver as compared to someone like my guy Theric here. So at first, I thought while the original details of the perception system seemed cool, I wasn't really sure what my level of engagement would be with it, especially because it's, you know, a side system. Watching this video, however, completely sold me. In every MMOG, <laughs> MMOG, MMORPG I've played to date, I rush through the content. I go dungeon to dungeon, I never read a quest, I never engulf myself in the world, and maybe it's just because of my competitive nature, or maybe because it's only like the big moments, in quotes, almost like, you know, big moments of the game, really only truly mattered were like beating raid bosses, then you'd unlock a story or a cutscene, especially with World of Warcraft, or you'd have like big missions that you had to do to get to like the next part, um, and that's where you would see more moments than just an overall every step of the way type of lore or excitement to the world. Well, whatever it is, it, this just has me so greatly excited in just exploring. Um, it almost made me think of the days to the point-and-click adventure games that were made by Sierra. It's some of my favorite memories ever with those games, um, where the game's charm came from interaction and discovery. Adding into that, you know, like into an MMORPG, I mean, I'm sold on that. Now, more than ever, I'm 110% on board with perception. I really am. And knowing that choices will have impact is really awesome. Um, I'm fine missing things. And I think that's a concern I've seen sort of around Discord and some of the different uh, formats that have talked about this, even though we've just briefly seen it. Um, because, you know, it kind of adds replayability for future characters and, and to try different things. And sometimes, let's be honest, you might even not even know you missed it. <laughs> so it's not going to be something that's like crushing you in the moment. You're going to go back and be like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of that. You know, this video had everything a, fan th a 
Fantheon. Oh, I, I never thought I'd use that word, but everything a Fantheon um, has asked about. Um, how would climbing work? Is it just a gimmick? Um, is the perception system really going to work? Um, can Pantheon be graphically pleasing enough to draw in players? I mean, I could go on, but you guys get the point. Um, I thought this was an incredible showcase of Fairthale. And with pr promise of the PA5 coming this summer, I'm sure we're going to get some great content and showcases as long as they allow streaming events like they've done in the past. So I honestly can't wait. You guys could probably tell I'm pretty excited. I'm stumbling over my words. I, I could do so much more in this, and we will. Um, but um, I just I can't wait for it. So, Theric, I'm going to start with you here because when I watched this video, my hair was standing on my arms. I'm watching it. You know, my girlfriend's sitting next to me and she's, you know, trying to understand it. She's done really good. She's not a big gamer. And I just looked at her and I just kept thinking like, and I said, I go, Theric is going to be so excited for this. Like, I I'm was. just, yeah, I was just sitting there like thinking about how excited you were because I was excited and I knew it was probably more than I was. So let's start with you. What were you what were you doing while you were watching? What did it feel like? And what were your takeaways when you kind of stepped away? I, I think you you summed up a lot of the points that I would say. But one of the things that I would say as well is that I'm glad it was a separate thing from the Twitch stream that they did. And that's because I could pay attention more closely to what they were actually talking about and paying attention to the detail. I mean, it's sort of what the whole thing was about, right? Um, so I'm glad that it ended up being a separate piece. I mean, what I was feeling when I was watching it is just, you know, amazement, um, immersion. I mean, I'm not even playing the game. I'm watching a video about somebody else playing the game, and I'm feeling immersed. Um, you know, to sort of put it into a into a, an example of, of how it felt, you know, you're on a long road trip, and you've been on the road for a long time, and you're watching, you know, you're heading home, and you're seeing the signs that show you, you know, 100 miles, you know, 50 miles. 25 miles to home and you finally get to the point where you can see your house right and like we've played a lot of mmos lately and and this is the house this is home right so we could see it and i i just felt like like you see it on the horizon it's coming there's still some road ahead and we have to get there but it's like that sense of relief because it's it's what you want it to be or what you think it should be <laughs> yeah so like i love the art style i mean the lighting is insane i love the lighting you know, we've talked about it before, the the shadows and that kind of stuff. And just imagine this level of detail in other zones. So think about the Merc. Think about what White Thaw is going to look like. Like, ugh, I don't know. There's no words for that, right? It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and like I said, I was sitting there. I'm just like, man, <clears throat> talk about being able to get involved in a world. Omega, what were your thoughts on this? Oh, man, I loved it. Um just to start with the the visual things like you were saying like the the density of that forest and showing off that like you could climb everything it i think more than ever like really made me want to be in the game to move around and explore and check it out um i i always thought the perception system was going to be cool but i didn't know how deep it was going to be and it's looking like it's going to be fairly deep like the people who really like to dig into every little facet of the environment are going to get a lot out of the system and for it to not be tied to experience gains or, you know, big rewards, I think is a really smart move too, because, you know, not everybody wants to do that, but the people who get a lot out of lore are going to get that, you know, reward feeling just out of by exploring and by doing this activity. So it doesn't need to have those rewards. I think that's a great choice. Um, and the video format, I, I really liked having it not be part of a stream, like like Theric said. 
I, I enjoyed taking my time watching the content. I think they were able to deliver um, the information in a more succinct way because they're not worrying about the stream. They're not worrying about time. You know, they can they can take their time to go through it. I think the only thing I would want from a video like that um, is maybe to do it with someone who hasn't been through that area before. Like, I, I kind of got the feeling that Ben Dean, like he was trying to do the best acting he could of being like, oh, I'm yeah. surprised by this interesting thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it didn't like true. fall flat or like it wasn't bad. Like I was having an amazing time watching it. But just as like a as a piece for people to watch and really get into the game would be to be some, to see someone else's true excitement in those moments. And that that's my only possible little nitpicking negative thing I can say. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, we can go on forever about this. I don't want to take the whole time saying it, but it was a really big moment. Um, I'm so excited that both of you guys were really excited about it. So I can't wait to see more. I just can't wait. And knowing that we're going to be getting more and more very soon is exciting. And I kind of hinted at it, but I just wanted to let you guys know, because I keep talking about how much I want to dig into this, I'm going to do a very, very deep dig into this video, uh, going through different sections, trying to find things. Uh, and we're going to do that on Pantheon Plus U. We're going to show some of what we found and talk about it this week. So that's going to be our topic. And uh, Theric's actually going to co-host that with me. So we'll, we'll put our heads together and really get into this video and see if we can find some stuff that maybe didn't stand out. So I love doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> So moving along to what we kind of started this whole conversation with was the developer's stream. And let's take that out of it completely and, you know, the issues, unfortunately, that they had. Um, but what they were able to show were animations. So we saw the monk class showing an increase in speed while keeping the flow of combat uh, precise and clean. I was really impressed with that. I know a lot of people probably looked at it like, dude, it's punching. It was just really clean. And as it got faster, it it didn't look like it was losing frames. And I know in this day and age, maybe you shouldn't expect that to happen, but it happens a lot in MMORPGs. Um, it was just a really clean, clean way for that to happen. I liked it. Um, we saw the same type of thing with like a, a healer who was speed casting and the cues were just very natural. Like, so you wouldn't get the full, you know, cast effect out of like the charge up because you were still finishing off your heal. So it had a good transition in the queuing, so you'd still get to see the effects and it looked natural. So I really like that too. These are t types of things you really have to like dig in and look at. And, and when you're playing, you don't realize it, but if it was goofy, you would. <laughs> so they just, they did a really good job of that. Um, the one that I think a lot of people probably overlooked, we talked a little bit about this on Pantheon Plus U, but um, was the reticle for placement of spells. It was really clean. Um, anyone who's played an MMORPG and you had a placement spell, you know, you've placed a spell down and it all of a sudden stuck to the ceiling or it hit a chandelier or it hit a part of the wall and it didn't land right. Um, it looked like as they were going over different surfaces that the integrity of the environment was kept very, very well. Um, that's a really important thing for playability because usually when you're using a ground effect like that, it's very quick. You know, imagine a healer trying to throw out a quick heal or, um, you know, trying to gather threat as a tank and you have to be very precise with getting everything really quick. So just how clean that was, was actually really important. It's not something you watch and you're going to say, I'm going to rewatch that a hundred times. This is great content, but it was, it was really well done and seeing how well it worked was cool. Um, we also got to see a really cool dot effect from the dire Lord, as well as the spread of the dot with their splatter ability. We got a little bit of a teaser too, that the splatter ability, when you master it, will be able to splatter onto the dire Lord which allows you to not only get benefits from getting damaged, 
um, but also allows you to take your build up and spread it to another target in between and, you know, getting in and out of fights or grabbing a CC'd mob and add, being able to just unload your full utility on them instead of having to go back through a build up phase. That was a nice little tidbit. And that's really important for like smooth gameplay. And it's another reason why the mastery system is really cool, because once you get that, that's going to be feeling really powerful. And I think that'll make you feel like you're better at your class, which is cool. Just it, it's it's like a quality of life that you earn. Um, but my key takeaway here is that the abilities looked very clean. They had good effects and impact, but they also weren't too subtle or over the top. I really like the middle ground of how they have shown the animations so far. Um, so I'm pretty impressed. What are your thoughts, Omega? Um, 100% agree. Like, I, I don't think I can really say anything uh, differently from what you said there. It's it's clean. It's at a good balance. Um and the experience that I've had with Elder Scrolls in this last week with its new thing, like the animations don't link together. It's a laggy mess. It's ugly and it doesn't play in a fun way. It doesn't look great. So to see this stream like immediately after that experience and to see the the, the hurrying that they're doing with the animations, I think is really cool. Um, I'm super impressed and really excited. And I was really watching, strangely enough, like through all that monk monk stuff they showed, I was really watching the legs and the feet and yeah. to have that level of accuracy in the movements just like down there where nothing is really ever even going to be looked at. Um, I think it says a lot about their approach and what they want to do with the game. I'm, I'm super stoked on it. Eric, how about you? Um, same things. Um, I felt it looked very natural. The, the animations looked very natural. Um, the only thing I would add is that, um, you know, Joppa always continues to impress um, with his approach to this. And he was talking about the four, factors lining up the audio the visual and the you know i i can't even remember what they were but i mean he's just got such a grasp on what makes something uh feel good in the context of playing the game and i was you know just as usual impressed by his uh by his approach to that so it's good. i think it's in a, it's in a good state yeah you know i know that some of the complaints are that the game's taking too long and but the level of detail i mean that that's what takes long is, is making the right decisions and, and nitpicking their creative side and making sure it's every detail they're proud of. Just like Omega just said, you know, sure, that's a big budget title, but somebody was looking at those animations and probably said, ah, this is good enough. Um, I don't get the, the guess here that VR says this is good enough. If it's not what they want, it's not going to make it. So yeah, I agree with that 100%. So then uh, we'll finish up here with VR on Twitter. This is a really quick one, but they asked, what's the silliest thing you ever paid for? Uh, someone paid you for in an MMORPG. Project Valhalla said holding a named camp and then charging by the hour. Guy was making bank. Um, JJ Pedaria says, oddly, I never charge anyone for trivial things. I only ask for currency if something took an expensive or rare material to craft. The rest of the time, I simply said nothing and accepted tips. If they were generous enough to offer them. Zerg Jerk said, when I quit DAOC, I gave all my crafting mats money and lots and lots of stuff to random people. Spent almost six hours doing so. The silliest thing I sold, however, was 250 diamond seals for six silver and nine copper. They were 12 gold per one. So he was just giving stuff away. Brad Lynch said, I kind of find it silly and retrospective, but at the time of the earring of the solstice craze in EQ, I was one of only three people on Rodset Knife who was a grandmaster in pottery. Uh, the three of us, including a very nice Korean lady, <laughs> may have colluded in a price-fixing scheme. I love that so much. That's awesome. Uh, 
Yeah, that's what the economy is all about. Take advantage. Um, Mantis Rigger says, uh, I made a paladin, so I'm not allowed to charge people for services. <laughs> I played a paladin for a long time. Didn't stop me. Um, Linda Edwards says, pranking people. This is great. In one of the first MMOs, a class could use an illusion spell to turn themselves into anything. Um, so I threw down a platinum piece, turned myself into it, and then picked the other piece back up. Once the spell wore off, I got paid 500 platinum for the entertainment. Basically, people coming by trying to pick up the platinum. That's so good. Um, so I didn't, this was tough for me. And uh, I really couldn't think of like a really good one. And right as I was about to say I didn't have one, something came to my head. And I told this story somewhere a while ago, but basically, a friend of mine in real life that I knew paid me in game to harass people during a Stranglethorn Vale fishing event. Um, so in Warcraft, they would do this weekend fishing event. And if you brought the biggest fish in in a certain time limit, um, at a certain time of the day, you got an event prize, you won. And it was like an achievement, right? Um, so I got him this really rare title, Salty, by trying to help him with it, right? So what happened is everybody was trying to fish and I just stood in the way of people with like mounts and like... They're, they're like when they would fish, the little bobble would like jump a little bit and you have to click it to grab it. I'd like stand in front of it to make it so they couldn't click it. I was just being a pest for like an hour. Um, but the, the best part is he actually won. People were so mad at me that I can't even explain, but he actually won and he got this title and salty was one of the hardest titles to get in. Wow. It was, it was I couldn't believe it worked. I never for a second thought it would work. Um, so that one was, that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, have you guys ever had, this was a really tough one. Have you guys ever had stories like this? Like Theric, do you have anything weird like that? No, not really. I mean, I'm like JJ, uh, Padera said, you know, I, I work for tips. If people want to offer me, you know, a platinum or a gold or whatever for tracking down a mob, I think that's probably the most, uh, I went down that road. The only other thing I can think of is like, if I was selling something and I had to run a really long way to come to them, to give them the item, like back in the days before, like mailing and stuff. I mean, I, maybe I would ask for an extra, you know, 20 gold on top of it just for the trouble. But I'm, I'm pretty easy when it comes to this stuff. I don't, uh, I don't seek payment. I just, you know, if they want to tip me great, if they don't, they don't. There were a lot of super nice people on Twitter. Like, oh, I don't charge people. <laughs> I'm a rogue. <laughs> I need that. I need that cash money. Um, maybe not guildies, but everyone else, you're not in my guild. Why should I give anybody anything? Um, <laughs> Omega, any thoughts there? Uh, no, I'm kind of the same as, as Theric and some other people. I, I will do stuff for tips. Um, not really looking to charge guildies either, but in hindsight, I will say some of the silliest things I've seen charged for is just for handing out buffs. Um, in Star Wars Galaxies, this happened so much. You'd be waiting at the spaceport and there would be a doctor just standing in a corner and there'd be a huge line of like 30 people, you know, paying him however money he was charging for some sort of buff. And that just, that was his whole life. He'd sit there and buff people for coin. <laughs> uh, listen, I paid for clarity and I paid for Sal back in the, uh, the EQ days. So I get it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I know people do it. It just seems like such a weird thing to me. To like, uh, you wouldn't see that in a game now, I don't think. Maybe. Maybe. All right, guys. Well, that's it for the VR news. When the community speaks, we listen. Let's dig into social media and see what they're talking about. So I really debated what direction I wanted to go this week with our PantheonMMO.com forum uh, discussions. I generally tend to enjoy talking about things like interesting ideas, innovation, experiences, and perspectives, that kind of thing. 
And in fact, until this morning, I had an entirely different discussion uh, highlighted, but th it was a bit more contentious. And after we saw that video that we uh, talked about at the beginning, uh, the perception system had to be what I wanted to talk about here. And there is a post by a friend of the show, Nafel, uh, called The Social Value of Perception. And here's how he framed it by his post. He said, I finally had a chance to watch the video from yesterday's dev stream. Me mechanically, I really like how the perception system is coming along. For lorehounds like me, it will definitely be a lot of fun. I also understand the decision not to gate content or have item rewards associated with perception, because if you do that, players will see it as a requirement and engage with it for the wrong reasons. However, I think the perception system needs to have some social value, some way that someone being a keeper can provide a tangible benefit to other players they interact with. So for example, crafting has a social value in that a skilled crafter can provide items for other players to use, potentially items they may not be able to get any other way. So it won't exist, at least not at launch in Pantheon, but Vanguard's diplomacy sphere allowed skilled diplom diplomats to trigger regional buffs that benefited other players in the same part of the world. So I feel perception needs to do something for the player population at large as well. Can a skilled keeper help open shortcuts in dungeons or find secrets for their party? Trigger spawns, and then Nafel goes on and lists some other, uh, you know, things that a keeper could potentially do. But it finishes it up by saying, there's a lot of possibilities, and it would be awesome if VR could tell us what the social value of engaging in the perception system will be. So I had a lot of these same thoughts, actually, after watching the stream and, and them breaking down the perception system in that quest they did. So I'm really interested to hear what other members of the community think about this, because I, I tend to agree with him fairly strongly. Um, so here's some of the responses from the forums. Uh, Zanushu said, I'm actually worried about social value for what the perception system might entail. I've played with all kinds of players, and well, I'm just imagining how a system would work for that gotta go fast kind of player, and they're in a group with you. I mean, what if you're just a druid at the back healing, aiding your group, and you go and beat some mobs, and you find an NPC that you could interact with, while the others only see it as a target they can attack? You know, would it mean that you miss out on a whole series of events, or would it close a window for you to forever be able to do that quest line? just because of somebody else's actions. So that was his concern. Uh, Jobson said uh, he's hopeful that the perception system will be more of a solo activity outside of flags for things like killing bosses. Now, and I remember if, at the end of the stream, Job actually talked about this quite a bit, a little bit at least. He said uh, that uh, when they were talking to the Spriggan, that Spriggan would have reacted differently if the player had killed Sleepless, which is the raid boss we saw uh, a little while ago. So having killed certain mobs does appear to be a flag that you can trigger uh, for your character. Uh, Renarius said, as it seems right now, the perception system is a solo game inside the game that doesn't affect anything except your own story. It would be cool if you could tell an NPC, hey, these guys with me are cool, <laughs> which might open up something for your group as well. Uh, Palu said, I love the perception system as a storyline mechanic, but have concerns about the practicality of it. As others have pointed out, what is going uh, what is going to be the value other than the storyline? I feel without some sort of reward that's uh, a real part of improving one's character beyond a personal story, it will just become too much of a solo game within the MMO, and it's counter counterintuitive to the basis of what's been pitched for Pantheon. Uh, one for All said, personally, I'm scratching my head a bit with the whole, if you miss one single detail that may or may not be obvious, you can get locked out of that storyline forever. Uh, that concept he's struggling with. He goes on to say, I don't understand the benefit of locking people out of content for mistakes or for not being perceptive in real life. It's one thing to miss a skill check. It's another to not see something on your screen and then lose access to a quest line. Uh, it makes him want to not do any perception work blind and just wait for other people to, to do it first so he knows what to do. 
Uh, Ondark said, if perception tells you there's a big treasure and you don't get a treasure, I feel it will be ignored by many. Kind of useless. I like lore, but I don't like lore that doesn't come true. I think it's a bad decision not to reward a high perception. If you want something because of it, just make a high perception character. What's bad about it? Uh, Hemlock Reaper said, I like the idea of having social value tied to, tied to the perception system. So for example, if I'm a rogue who's spotted a dangerous trap or a secret treasure room while I'm in a group, I could freely advise the group or offer knowledge for coin or simply just not say a word. I understand that if you get good rewards, it'll be a mandatory part of the thinking. So just don't make it the only skill that can give good rewards and it's all fine. Uh, Trasic said the perception system seems like an awful big time and manpower investment for it not to have any effect on character progression, just personal lore discovery. Rather than make it something people can just ignore if they're not interested, I would do the opposite. Make the perception system that makes Pantheon different from EverQuest. Drive almost everything through it the same, in the same way, shape, or form. And then lastly, Baron99 said, uh, if I recall correctly, in one of the earlier developer streams, they actually talked about this, and I believe Ko had a similar question. It's the scene where they pass a fallen rock or a pillar and somebody gets a perception ping uh, and some don't, and Ko needs to walk back and look at it again. The idea, be, the idea behind it is that you won't have to be a keeper, but if you have a keeper in your group, it would actually lead you to places where you would otherwise not end up or to content you otherwise would not encounter. So those are all really good points. I, there's a lot in there that I agree with, some I don't. Personally, I'm glad the perception system is separated from experience gain and traditional quest reward structures. I think, uh, like you said earlier, Omega, the watching the developer stream, I would very much enjoy doing this kind of thing. Yet I know there's lots of people that wouldn't. So having said that, there does need to be some sort of integration with the rest of the game. And I think VR has talked about this before. I don't think it's as unclear um, as we as we might think. But having a keeper in your group or your guild is important, much like having a high level crafter. But if it's about accessing otherwise hidden areas, does that mean access to items or drops? You know, how tangible a benefit does it end up being? Because, you know, down the road at some point, it's got to lead to something. So at the end of the day, you know, um, this is the social value of perception as I see it. It's like a means of accessing content that might not otherwise be uh, be available. And if you don't want to engage with perception system, that's fine. But you do have to seek out somebody who, who has. If you hate crafting and you need a masterwork sword made, you seek out a high-level crafter. If you need to see the portal to the Isle of Infinite Storms, perhaps you need a keeper to do that, right? So even for raid-level content. So like a lot of other things in Pantheon, there's some bravery involved in this kind of design decision, but I think it's important not to minimize the value of those systems that they've created. So that's long opinion, but you can see why I get excited about this kind of thing. I really think the perception system has a lot of potential. How would you uh, sort of tackle the issue of, uh, you know, social value attached to the perception system? Minus, what about you? Um, I think there's a misconception um, here on what it means to say you don't have to do the perception system. Um, I feel like you you actually took my exact example when you were kind of breaking it down, talking about, you know, <clears throat> I don't like crafting, right? So I'm not going to be a big crafter, but I'm going to need a crafter. So I can, I can play the whole game of Pantheon and I cannot craft. I can skip it. That's the same thing as saying I can skip the whole perception system, <clears throat> but it's going to exist in the world. It's going to have meaning. Now there's a lot of people who've said, well, you know, it's not going to be tied to experience. It's not going to be forcing people to do things. There's not going to be these big rewards behind it, but there will be rewards. I'm sure there's going to be titles. There's probably going to be some vanity things. There's going to be status things. And I think that that is going to matter to the type of player who would want to explore the world. Now, there's been a lot of people I've been talking to 
and we saw it in some of your comments there. I actually spent some time on Discord before we got ready to record the show today with a uh, guy in there called Pillarow. And he's a, he, he, he's a good dude. We had a back and forth. He, he disagreed with a lot of what I had to say. Um, but here, here's what I tried to explain to him. I said, if you've ever played a game like Myst or a point-and-click adventure game, as I talked about earlier, they didn't tell you what to click on. They didn't tell you what you were supposed to do. You had to figure it out. And if with perception, that's the name of the game. It's called perception. Um, you, you have to have an advanced perception. If you decide that you're going to be a keeper, then you better pay attention and you're going to miss stuff. And the same people who are a little worried about missing things, you know, it's interesting to me because it's the same people that don't want everything handed to them. Well, we don't want to give everybody the loot. We don't want everything to be easy. Everybody shouldn't be able to access everything. But those same people are like, well, if I miss a mushroom, that's ridiculous. And, and to tie this up a little bit about this in the social value side is, yeah, you're going to be able to find different areas. Do you remember when they walked through that wall um, that was a hidden wall, you know, and they found the dwarf in the uh, area there? Yep. You know, that's something where as a perception person is going to be able to find those hidden areas. And maybe you're going to talk to somebody who's going to give you a quest that everybody can do, you know, but at the same time, they may not have been able to find him. You know, the, the big thing here is, is somebody said the the issue was, you know, walking in and you saw these mushrooms and you had to click on a specific mushroom. And that's ridiculous. I said, you need to put yourself in the game. You've decided to be a keeper. You've taken this profession on and you're told multiple times by the Spriggan to look around. You know, the very first one has you look at the tree. Oh, what do you see? And you talk to them. Now look up in the air. What else do you see? Oh, there's a there's another Spriggan up there. They They train you three or four times to look around. And then when she says, take the path, you should already be looking not to, not to mention we've watched the stream and we now know how precise it is. But I said, imagine you're in the world, imagine you're in the world and you walk up and you're looking around and you see these odd mushrooms and you kind of, you get close and you're looking at them and then you're really paying attention. You tilt your head and you're kind of like, huh, these are interesting. And as you look a little closer, you see one and you see something on it. And that's the thing you're clicking on. It's about being able to remove yourself from what you know in MMORPGs. This to me is taking the love and affection of a adventure game and putting in a system that's going to tie you to this world more than any MMORPG ever has. And I'm just, I'm hyped. And I think the social side of it is storytelling. I think the social side of it is explaining to people what you've experienced and helping with lore when you're fighting certain enemies that you may know more than others. There's a ton of social aspects tied to this that I think just aren't as um, easily seen, if that makes any sense, that that yep. people have to rethink. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I see what you're coming from. You mentioned earlier the the point and click adventures in Sierra games from the days of of your man. That's that you're speaking my language. I mean, I I loved those games. Those are all a big part of my life as well. So I think that's probably why the perception system, you know, um, speaks to me so so much as well. So, but uh, that's a lot to say. But Omega, what do you think? Uh, I would just you know <laughs> mirror exactly what Minus said. Yeah. I think some of the people in their their comments to this they do mention some some valid concerns but i think it comes from a place of habit in modern mmos you know like we're given waypoints we're given you know circles on the mini map to go search for things and like in world of warcraft things straight up just have this glowing outline that you can see through the ground you know it's not a challenge to explore the world in you know a large amount of those games and I think what VR is trying to do, like it, it's, it's important for the genre. And I think people need to give them the chance to, to try and execute it. And it's something that can be tweaked, you know, like through testing, if people are finding it so hard that they can't 
enjoy the perception system enough, they can tweak it a little bit. But I think from starting from this point of making it so, you know, quote unquote, immersive and difficult and challenging, it's going to be super rewarding when you pull it off. And if that's too challenging, I mean, they can tweak it. And in this day and age of, you know, the internet and YouTube and streamers and stuff like that, it's sad, but those those secrets aren't going to remain secrets for very long. So for the people who are worried about missing stuff, like you're going to be able to go back and try these quests again. Um, Joppa said that you're not locked out of anything. If you miss it, you might have to find out that you missed something entirely and come back and find it. But, you know, if if, if you can't do it, you're not locked out forever. Um, and I like that I in terms of like the social aspect and like being a thing for your group and like reasonable buffs and stuff. I don't agree with that. I think the perception system since it is such an individual experience, it should stay individual. I think the farthest that I would want to see that stretch in terms of grouping is that if someone in your group got a got a perception ping, that something would happen on your screen to let you know that that happened. You know, not everybody's going to be playing with voice comms um, with a static group or something like that. So I would like there to be some sort of graphical cue for those people who aren't necessarily... Uh, keepers or at all or even high level keepers that if someone else in your group is seeing something and noticing something i would like a graphical and auditorial cue for for the other people as well yeah those are really good points that, that's lot lots of uh, intricacies that we may not be thinking of in, in this situation it's such a unique system that they're trying to implement here so mm-hmm. really good points and Theric, i'm going to jump back in because he said something amazing you know, if, if you miss stuff then that's replayability Right. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with replayability. Like there's a progeny system. We're going to have a lot of replayability in this game. So when you go back, maybe next time you see it differently. Right. And then and like the one guy said in an example, like, oh, what if your group isn't going to stop and let you do it? Why is everybody's example always in a pug? I never (laughs) play in pugs. I am always with people I know or friends and we pick maybe one or two people to join us. I don't understand why every example is being in the worst ever random pug. Every everybody. Like, how do people not play with friends? <laughs> I don't get it. If that happens, I mean, just voice it. Say it to your pug. Be like, guys, I got a ping. Like, can we slow down? And if they don't, then that ties into the reputation of people in this world. And if they're a speedrunner and won't let these people do their perception things in in a pug, like that kind of reputation will follow them. And uh and the other thing I'm going to say too, sorry, I keep harping on this and I know this can be a little bit longer of a rewind guys, um, but, <laughs> but the, the other part is, you know, you brought up the whole, you know, people are going to figure it out and then there's going to be people who read about it on the internet. That's fine. That's okay. And and I, I don't think you were saying it negatively. You were like, this no, is what's going to happen, right? Yeah. You're going to have your discoverers and they're going to be so excited to discover and work as a community to discover it. And an example that a lot of people don't know this exists, I actually linked two different things in the uh, Pantheon Discord when I was talking about this. World of Warcraft does this, and it doesn't get a lot of hype, but if you didn't know this, um, Theric, or if you didn't know this, Omega, they do hidden quests, and it's really interesting. They don't do them often, but they will literally put little notes that you can click on in a raid fight, and then in an old dungeon, and then in a random place. And you don't know why you can click on these. It makes no sense. You say, oh, is it just for lore? Does this mean something? And the community will come together on forums and start, maybe it means this. And people are looking all over the world. And at times it takes months, like months and months and months for people to put things together. And then in the system, it actually had a had like a queuing system in your character. 
that you not only had to know and understand what they meant, but you had to go read them all and you had to do it and it checked off in the background of your character. And like you could get this crazy hidden mount that would take months and months and months for people to find these clues all over the world with no guidance from the game. And then once those people did, they'd create this crazy guide and these macros to check your status on things. And then people could go enjoy it. And the crowd that was coming up with that loved it. It's like, this is so cool. This is so crazy. And then the community as a whole said, thank you guys for finding this. So imagine as a perception person, you uncover details for anyone to be able to do or like find, but the keepers are the ones who unlock these mysteries of the world. And that's awesome. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's it's extremely awesome, and uh, you know, like I said earlier, they have to be brave, right? They can't sort of back down from this belief in this in this system that they've created. I, I do think they need to really stand stand their ground and, and go forward with it. So, okay, good points, guys. Good points. And um, so let's talk to some new members of the community uh, who joined up this week uh, on the forums. Uh, Falcon Lore uh, introduced himself. He said, "Hi, I've been on. I've been watching Pantheon for about three years now." Really looking forward to old school MMORPG. I played EverQuest starting at launch week on the Rod Set Knife server, ironically, which you mentioned earlier, as a half-elf ranger and later as a dark elf cleric. So hope to see some old friends here and make some new ones. And then next up, uh, streamer and World of Warcraft veteran Alsi introduced himself saying, Hello everyone, my name is Alsi. I used to hardcore raid on WoW retail, as well as I currently religiously grind and farm on Classic WoW. I've tried all the classics as well, from RuneScape, I request, all the way to Wildstar and other big names. Uh, MMORPGs are where I escape, and I cannot wait for Pantheon. I love story-driven games as well as open-world exploration. I'm more than likely going to be playing a summoner and then going back to his roots and playing a rogue. So if you want to uh, uh, pop into the forums and say hi to those guys, that'd be great. And uh, yeah, so... Reddit was a little quiet this week, not a lot going on over there. So we will uh, check in uh, and see what the buzz is there next week. But uh, Facebook had a really good post and it's, it's, I don't always post, I don't always pick the ones that I necessarily agree with, which is good. Um, and I, and he had, he had some concerns. So this is from Stephen Haldane. He shared some concerns about how far VR, VR is going, pushing the graphical capabilities and the complexity of combat. So like thinking about what we were talking about earlier with that demo, um, you know, showing the the graphics and the just the, the detail of the world. This is what he said. While I eagerly await the game, I have some doubts. I'm not going to call it vaporware or anything, but my guess is uh, that when building EQ, they made a game that ran well on many computers and could be accessed easily by many. It was basic. Flash forward, they tried to make Vanguard and got so caught up in the intricacies that it was released essentially and still in beta still. And yes, it was nice seeing the various types of crits my monk could do, but I remember I had to push my computer to the limit to handle it. Pantheon, I fear, is going to be worse than Vanguard. They seem so caught up in both graphics as well as combat complexity that I wonder if at the end of the day, it will become another Vanguard. Will I need the latest and greatest machine to run it? Uh, that, And he's afraid that that's going to reduce the number of people that will play it. I'd hate to see something like uh, ambitious like this become another Vanguard. And if they keep aiming to go as complex as possible, I feel it will be a barrier to a great game. So those are his thoughts. So perfectly valid to uh, to have those concerns. Here's what some of the people in the Facebook Facebook group said about that. Uh, Drac Attack said, that's not how I remember EQ in 1999. It was very stressful on systems that of the day. Uh, WoW was released for mid-tier systems for sure, but EQ when it launched, not so much. Uh, another person said, EQ in 1999 required a good computer, even though it didn't run well on raids. It's the reason you can uh, decrease clipping plane. Uh, Brian Camp said, I remember having to look at the ground while running through Freeport because <laughs> oh, my computer so happy couldn't he said that. 
Can you imagine just like staring I, at the I ground? Did. And just, I did. did you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember doing that because I think I, I, I'll talk about it in a second, but uh, I had a good 3D, uh, 3D accelerator card. But uh, so, yeah, he had to stare at the ground running through Freeport because his computer couldn't handle the, the player character models. Uh, Brendan said, game design has come a long way since Vanguard. Complexity does not necessarily equate to heavy resource requirements client side with today's network stacks and a lot of uh, computation that can be done on the server side. They've said repeatedly that they're optimizing at every step so the game should perform well on a wide range of systems. You may have to sacrifice some graphical fidelity, but most games uh, these days have options for finding the balance for your system. And nothing I saw from nothing I saw from today's stream really struck me as all that complex. The combat looks engaging and interesting, but not overly complex. They said that uh, they said there is a long way to go, and all of this is speculation. Um, so uh, Christian Muller Nilsson said graphics in Pantheon look good, but dated. I highly doubt I'll, it'll demand that much. But then again, they're still mucking around with the terrible Unity engine, so he's not a fan of the the Unity engine. Uh, Thomas Kane Parker said ambition is not what caused Vanguard to fail. Eventually, I'm there. Uh, there were a myriad of problems with funding management, etc. Even with that, it had wonderful combat mechanics with some of the most fun classes I've played since EQ, Dark Edge of Camelot, and EQ2. Brad was a visionary, and I have a good feeling the team uh, can make this happen. Uh, Matthias said, to be honest, I don't, want them, uh, I don't want them to make the game playable on potatoes. But they already said they have a high, high priority on making the game performance good. So differing thoughts, they're interesting sort of uh, mix of opinions. Um, like I said earlier, um, it's forgotten that you needed a 3D accelerator card to play EverQuest. It said right on the box uh, that you had to have one. And in 1999, not everybody had a 3D accelerator. There was still a big portion of the population of uh, gamers that didn't have one. They were expensive. Um, I'm sympathetic to Steven's concerns here for sure, but I don't share them. Um, pushing the technology forward as they've shown and how they're working with the Unity engine is the right direction in my mind. You know, we can always sort of use the analogy of fast food versus like a steakhouse sort of thing. You know, Big Macs are cheap, easy to enjoy. You know, everybody can get one and it's a successful business. But, you know, that kind of style of restaurant isn't the only successful hamburger business out there, right? There's plenty of, you know, quote unquote, Mick MMOs that anyone can run on any system out right now. And I have no problem whatsoever with Pantheon requiring a mid or even higher end system, even though they've said it'll run fine on, a, on an average build. So... I'm not uh, I'm not too concerned about myself, but uh, Omega, what do you feel about that? Um, I did reply to this post on the Facebook thing. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it uh, they've 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 addressed this kind of stuff before, like in terms of performance and the fidelity that they're going for and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know techno speak i'm not a coding wizard or anything like that so i can't really say if what they're doing is is the right approach or if something's going to go wrong but it, i will say that having brad as you know the creator and visionary of this and chris perkins being like a very early adopter and tester of vanguard like they know what went wrong in that specific situation they know that this game that they're making needs to be built in a certain way and be future-proofed in a certain way and they've kind of been doing that since the start but i think even more recently like really going back into what they've done already and redoing a few things to make it so they can build faster iterate faster and have more future proofing to it so yeah I, i'm not worried at, at all on a personal level about the game and them being able to push it out and stuff like that um yeah 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 minus what about you I think uh, graphic scaling 
is has come a really long way since then. So like games are able yeah. to natively be able to scale within the engines they're built. Um, I think that the concern is is a perfectly valid concern to have. I think the problem with it is is that it loses a lot of ground with me when they use Vanguard as an example, because Vanguard and you said it too. Vanguard had so many problems um, that it was crazy. Um, it, it had, I had one of the stronger machines and graphics cards at the time, and I had tons of problems with that game. It was about how the game was designed from a database and a development standpoint, how they just layered things on top of things. And we already know that Pantheon's not doing that. Like they've talked about how they've, you know, gotten rid of barriers in like their network layer affecting different aspects of building. And they've really removed everything to be running independently. So if something's changed, it doesn't break everything. And that's a lot of what hurt Vanguard was it was just layers on layers on layers and databases that were just poorly made. Um, and it, it has nothing to do with the graphical performance. But I, he's, you're also right in saying that EQ did take quite a bit. And I love that person who said that they were uh, they were running around cities looking down at the ground. Because, yeah, when I got into a populated city, even with my old voodoo card, which I love. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, to, <laughs> I had to look at the ground and run. And thankfully, I learned I learned that ground pretty well. <laughs> to get through the cities at like a real high frame rate without a doubt yeah yeah no me too i love my old voodoo 3d effects cards for sure had a few of them but uh yeah no good points guys and that's it for this week's community discussions just what are those creators up to out there all right so we're going a little bit longer this week on the rewind we got a lot to talk about some exciting news and that's not a worry by me but at the same time i don't have a whole lot to get into here in the content creator section so let's start with pantheon plus um, our first episode of Rankum was last week. It was a lot of fun. We ranked our top five favorite MMORPGs and we broke those videos down a little bit so people could see the format and like quick 10 minute videos. So you can actually check each host or guests uh, top five in a quick format. But I'm going to tell you the fun is being there live. There's a lot of banter. You guys, if you just watch those videos, you're not seeing um, the community giving their lists out and ribbing on people and ribbing on each other. And that's really what Rankum's all about. So hopefully you guys can join us live Tuesday night at nine o'clock on Twitch. This week, we're actually going to be talking about um, MMORPG, our favorite loot. And we'll have uh, Micah and myself, who are always hosting. And this week, our special guest host will be Nathan Napalm. So that should be a lot of fun. On Pantheon Plus U, we've really already talked about the fact that we talked about the combat animation systems. Um, that should be up on demand uh, by the time you hear this. So check that out. We did um, also on that same uh, Pantheon Plus U episode at the end, we revealed Pantheon.plus. But we actually uh, finally got the website out, right? Like we've been talking about it forever. And this is really just the stage one, sort of like a soft beta release. We know there's going to be some bugs, but um, we put a video out. You can check out on YouTube to kind of show you what we're trying to achieve with the site. Talk about, you know, what's in the future for it. And, um, you know, sign up for an account, submit some bug reports, submit some suggestions. We're already changing quite a few things because of suggestions, really good ones. And you can join our Discord as well um, if you want to kind of just chat about it or have questions. There is so much more coming that's going to tie into community and everyone who's listening to this or anyone who goes to the website actually being able to be a part in helping the site grow and grow their own brands and redirect to their own projects. So we're really excited about that. Um, and the last thing I'll say is we're having a blast playing Valor this weekend. Um, we got to actually play it. I think I played it for about six hours on Friday. I played it quite a bit. And um, for about two and a half hours or so, Dr. Greenspoon, the developer, actually joined me and quested with me and ran around and killed stuff and talked about the development, talked about his theory and what's going on. So it was kind of like a alpha pre-alpha play session developer interview fun time. You guys can check those uh, replays out on Twitch and I'll try to maybe do something with the content uh, later next week or so to see getting into a smaller format to uh, kind of digest. 
Now, um, other content creators, Bazgrim always hosts a watch party for the stream when he can, so he had that. And he also put out a video about class synergy to detail that state manipulation stuff that was talked about in the Shaman stream, talking about how like looking through the old abilities, what would work together, how can they kind of synergize some of the classes and how would that work, which is a really neat topic, so check that out. And nothing on Pantheon from Nathan, but he did put a video out detailing his experiences with Fantasy Star Online 2, which we've talked about in the past on this show, uh, which recently launched on PC. So if you've been itching to do that and you love Nathan Napon content as much as I do, then check that out there. And that's it for the content creators this week. The Plus in Pantheon Plus. Here's your MMORPG news. All right, so the quick MMO news. I'm going to do this week's genre news a little different because there's a pretty big update from Ashes of Creation I want to cover. Uh, so we'll do some quick fire news of the other MMOs to start. Uh, first up, Lord of the Rings Online and Dungeons and Dragons Online both are extending their opening up of their content uh, until August 31st. And they're offering a limited time coupon to get all this content for free forever. Uh, all you got to do is log into these games before August 31st and redeem that coupon there and you'll get all that content for free. Um, things like the classes and races are, will still be locked, but the content that is up for grabs is things like the quests, the raids, the zones, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Last Oasis finally gets its private servers. Both Elder Scrolls Online and Fantasy Star Online 2 had some pretty rough launches over the last week um, with the Greymore expansion and then Fantasy Star actually going out uh, live for the first time. Um, I do have to correct myself. Last week's show, I said that Greymore wasn't launching until June 2nd or something like that. I can't remember why I screwed that up, but it did launch, I think, on the 26th. And my experience with the launch wasn't so great. There was some cues, a whole lot of lag, and that lag really caused the combat to, to really suffer in that game. It's an action-oriented game, and I think they're still doing daily maintenance on it. Things haven't quite settled, so if, uh, if you're looking to get into that, it might be worth waiting. So. Uh, the Eridun server launched for EQ, and from what I've seen around the community, there's been quite a few long queues with that, uh, a lot of disconnects, so here's hoping they get that all cleared up soon. Defend the Night put out a new page on their website and a forum post along with it about their design tenets. Um, there will be a link in the description so you guys can go read those for yourself, but there's a few that really stand out for me that I want to read real quick. Uh, so the first one is embrace a dark fantasy theme where the world is in turmoil and you are not the hero destined to save it. Uh, the second one, combat will be strategic, tactical, and challenging. Player skill will be tangible and strongly emphasized. Third one is prepare for a world that is constructed around group-centric play. Opportunities to solo will be an exception rather than a rule, but one that is thoughtfully considered and conductive to opportunistic, opportunistic gameplay. Player characters are a most valuable asset when it comes to making the world feel alive. Uh, the stage will be set to enhance role-playing capabilities and provide a real sense of player agency and reputation. Uh, so go check out their website and read the rest. There's a lot of really good ones in there. Um, I think they will absolutely draw you into their idea and their community if you haven't already. So the big one this week for me is Ashes of Creation. Ashes of Creation, they had a developer update stream last Friday, and it, it went over a whole crap load of stuff. Uh, before I dive into that stuff, I just want to mention also, by the time we record this, they will have done um, another stream that's all about gameplay, a gameplay stream of the tests that they just did. Uh, so be sure to check out that stuff too. They had a testing session last week with their highest tier backers, and it went really well, according to Jeffrey Bard, Stephen Sharif, and Margaret Crone, who are the leads of the studio and the community team. 
The service held up and they got a ton of info from it. Lots of bug reports and lots of logs for them to pour over and stuff like that. Uh, some of the more hilarious bugs and other moments they actually captured. And once the game launches, they're going to have a, a montage that they put out of all the ridiculous things that have happened during testing. And I, I imagine that'll be pretty funny. One of those things that did happen in the test was there was a whole bunch of low-level players who tried taking on one of the world boss-type creatures in the game. It's a giant dragon, I think. Uh, and they kept pinging the world chat for people to come help them, come help them. So Stephen Sharif, the studio founder, he teleported a whole host of players there to fight the dragon. And it killed absolutely every single one of them. They acquired so much negative XP that some of them couldn't get it back to where they were when they started the fight by the time that the test was over. Uh, I think that's pretty hilarious. The death system in that game is looking to be punishing, uh, so and it sounds like they're right on track. There was no exact number given of all the people that were there at that big fight, but from what I saw in the chat, it was around 50, so that's pretty cool. Uh, in the studio update, uh, they've created an in-game statue as a decor item to commemorate the uh, global pandemic experience that we're all going through. Uh, it's a statue of, of these two people helping each other, like, and the one guy's helping the other guy get back up. Um, you know, and they're sort of reaching their hands through this portal type divine gateway as a symbol of all of us reaching through and helping each other through this, uh, through the internet. All registered users on the website will get this in-game statue when it launches. Um, and then you'll be available to get that until they go back into their office. Um, I think it's a really great thing to do. It's a nice, small, small, free in-game piece that everyone will remember, you know, this time in our lives. Uh, I know a few people in my own life and even in this community that have been affected by this global situation. So quick shout out to them. Be strong and stay, stay safe out there, guys. Speaking of the Intrepid Studios office, though, there is no date for getting back in there. They're waiting and are adamant on waiting for the right time and lucky to be in a place in the industry where they can take their time. Uh, but back to the alpha test, uh, people in the Phoenix Initiative level of the backers can now talk about their experience. That part of the NDA was lifted after the test was done. And over on their subreddit, there's a write-up by someone going by the name of Shays um, talking about their experience in the first test, and it's a pretty good read. I'll leave the details out of this, though, so you guys can go read that on your own if you're really interested. It's, it's a trending upvoted topic there in the Reddit, so it's pretty easy to find, but the link will be there, too. On the design side of things, Jeffrey Bard, the lead designer, spoke about how happy he was with the test. Things he was worried that would go wrong didn't go wrong, uh, and things that he didn't think would happen did. And I think that's pretty telling of a lot of tests. Um, lots of fun bugs and exploits, um, and a lot of great feedback one of which was an infinite gold exploit that someone found. So it's good to find those sort of crucial things this early on. And they played a video that was focused around housing and freeholds that actually took up a big part of the, the whole stream. Um, and it looks really great. They showed off a lot of stuff. And if you're a player who likes crafting uh, and housing at all, like the freeholds are going to be an amazing thing for you in this game. It had fenced in farm sections, a multi-room house, like trees and shrubbery. It had a stone, <coughs> stone pool and a barn with a fenced-off kind of horse paddock area. Uh, and these things are all sort of stations with a purpose on your, on your plot of land. It's not just decoration. They all have function and have uses within the game world. Um, the freehold gameplay seems to be a lot about size management, too. You really have to think about what you're going to have on your plots because you can't fit everything on there. It's going to be very specialized. Um, in the house, like it had the typical stuff, furniture, paintings, decor... And they actually showed a, a painting off with a, a real-life photo of Stephen Sharif on there. And players will be able to import their own images into the game to put into these paintings and stuff. And sort of giving the players the choice to blend real life with the RP one if they want. 
Um, it's a cool feature, but of course, like in my mind, it opens up a lot of dangerous areas of letting people import potentially some bad stuff. Um, but in this day and age, you really can't get away with that for too long. But I'm sure it'll take no time at all before someone uploads an offensive image and, you know, they got to figure out how to deal with that. I'm, I'm, I'll be really curious to see what sort of checks and balances are put in place, like whether it's on the client side only and only you can see your paintings or if there will be some sort of vetting process for images that are uploaded. Uh, they didn't really detail any of that. Uh, an early version of the husbandry system was talked about, um, about that barn and the fence placeables. Uh, so players will be able to have their animals within this fenced-in plot, and that's where they kind of go through the genetics minigame that's going to be in there. Uh, there's a small farm, like I said. Crops in uh, Ashes of Creation will have a rotational system, so real-world crop rotation will be a thing. Uh, you need to get the seeds, um, and you can use as much space as you want for your farm, so that's that's cool. You're not limited. Uh, the small stone pond that was in there was actually part of fish farming and the fishery processing or, uh, profession. Um, and the fishery allows for processing and focusing on a specific type of fish gatherable that can only be found in the fishery, like it can't be found out in the world. There's going to be a furniture profession, and some furniture that you can place in your, your plot um, will have special bonuses. And it, it depends on like the, the tier of material and the builder itself and a little bit of RNG. Um, as an example, like if you had a really high tier bed, you go to sleep on it when you log out. When you log back in, you'll have you know more bonus XP than someone who logs out in a tavern or something like that. The freeholds currently are grid-based, so you can place things almost anywhere you want. Um, an extra little note about the husbandry system. Um, the idea on the back end is that each animal in the game will have an ID, and the husbandry system takes into account these IDs for the genetic system. So some trial error will be needed to find out what works when you're trying to breed animals together. And a little bit of RNG will be there too. And then the RNG chances being augmented by your actual husbandry skill level. From the sounds of it, Stephen was saying that it isn't as simple as combining a horse with a horse equals a horse. Like there's a lot of cross creature um, into making new species. Uh, so like a lion crossed with a giant hawk would make a griffin type of thing. You know, they didn't use any exact examples. Um, and he wasn't super clear about it and didn't like he didn't dig into that part of it. So I'd be willing to bet that the feature will change a lot. That seems like a really hard thing to do to have these creatures that people can make um, just through genetics and not have them look totally ridiculous or something like that. I don't know. It's hard to say. All that said about the housing and profession systems, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think. What do you think about crafting being heavily involved with the housing system? And the way crafting works in Ashes of Creation is you can't be good at everything. For example, people who process ore into a workable material won't be able to craft it into great stuff unless they choose that as their second profession. Um, the game is being designed to require people to work together. So a player might be able to gather and process stuff but then they won't be able to craft. And so another player might be choosing to gather and craft, but then they can't process. So there's a lot of interplay there and community involvement. Um, what's not clear to me, though, is what sorts of crafting players can do without a home plot, like without a freehold. Will the community crafting areas be available to make great stuff, or will best-in-slot crafted items only be craftable from a home base station? Uh, you know, Therefore, if you aren't savvy enough to get a freehold, because they are a finite resource in the game, um, can you use someone else's home stations, for example? I'm just curious, what do you guys think of, of the crafting system throughout that? Derek? You know what? There's a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah, man. 
That is that is a hard hard to comment on without uh, following the game as closely as, as you do. Um, you sure. know, I'm listening to all these things that that you're saying, and, and there's a, there's there's a lot. Uh, I don't know, like you know, like I said, you follow it more closely. Are you worried about sort of feature creep here? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of stuff that they're yeah, contemplating. You know, doing. now that you bring that up, like it is a big concern, I think, for a lot of people because when they were doing their their kick funding or a crowdsourcing thing every like step was a new promise a new stretch goal and people really liked those stretch goal ideas and they kept adding them and adding them and adding them and they've got a lot on there i think the idea of the freehold and the crafting was always part of the core design but feature creep i think will be a thing and i think people uh, yeah, I don't know if if you can't get a freehold and it's restrictive, like it might cause a problem, but it's hard to say. Minus, I know you're not a big crafter, but do you have any thoughts? That's a lot of systems where I can't get loot from. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, here's my thing. Um, since we started this whole content creation thing, I've opened my mind a lot more to realize that there's things that are very important to people and that make games very fun that I don't need to be a fan of. You know, if it's yeah. if it's something somebody can enjoy, then it's worth doing. Um, none of this stuff interests me at all. And, I, and I'm not I'm not trying to talk bad about Ashes. I'm really not. I, I hope success for them. It's something different. It's new. It's innovative. But I don't want to raise pigs. Um, I don't want to put my picture in my house. Oh, my <laughs> I want gosh. your picture in my house. Are you kidding me? I want a picture of mine yeah. hanging on my wall. Do you imagine like the, the Pantheon <laughs> plus guild hall with a giant picture of minus above the throne? Oh, or what man. about the rewind team? Just, you know, a nice picture yeah. of all three of us sitting on your mantle. Yeah. You guys hang out in your house. I need a dungeon. I, I, um, look, individually, I like some of this stuff. Like I like Harvest Moon, right? right. But I want to play an MMORPG. And to me, it's loot, it's experiences, it's memories. I mean, listen, and and what I'm about to say is kind of arrogant, but I can't get a memory from like building a couch in my house. Like there's a lot of people who will. So I'm not trying to poo poo the whole idea. But for me, what I want to gain from an MMORPG is about adventure and overcoming. Like I can't I can't think of a time where in a future like Pantheon plus you or Ashes of Creation plus you, I'm I'm sitting with Theric and I'm like, oh, do you remember that time I tried to make that black couch? Man, we <laughs> all day strive to make that black couch. And you remember when we made it the first time? It turned out gray. Mm. Um, it's it's. But I get it. Like, I get it. That's what people want to do. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that you said there is like one of the professions, you can be a furniture crafter. <laughs> like, Exciting. I don't even I don't even want to craft armor. <laughs> yeah. So again, I'm not trying to poo-poo on it. The game sounds amazingly innovative. It looks like they're going to have these really cool systems that people can get lost in. And a lot of people, even for Pantheon, say like, you know, we'd really like to have non-combat activities. And this game's going to be full of them, so you'll be able to get lost in the world. It's going to be great. It's just, it's tough for me. Um, on all that stuff would be, I'd avoid it all. And if I can't play the game and avoid all that stuff, I wouldn't be interested. You know, that is something I was going to bring up next. Um, the thing that, you know, potentially excites me about a housing system that is this deep in its systems is for downtime, is for when, you know, none of my guild or my friends are on, or like I'm waiting for people to log on. It's like, okay, I'll go hang out in my house and like, I don't know, move my horses around and make them hang out with the pigs or something stupid. Like, it is a lot 
and it's a deep system, like you said, for people who really like that stuff. Um, and if they can pull it off without the feature creep problem, like Derek was saying, like it, it will be cool. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, the alpha test that was happening though, it's not alpha one, it's more of an alpha zero. So it's kind of a slow start first step. Um, as the tests go on, more and more systems will be put in and alpha one will happen when all those systems are finally in their first iteration in the game. There's no exact date, but a projection I heard on the discord was about six to nine months before alpha one will actually be starting, but nothing confirmed. Uh, next up, they showed up a lot of in-game assets and stuff. Uh, they showed off an, a, a caravan, and the caravan system is kind of their their open PvP type of thing. So it's not really my bag, but essentially you get to have a caravan full of, you know, X goods, and you have to transport it from here to there. And all the while that you're transporting, it's flagged for open PvP. And if the PvP, you know, happens and everybody gets killed, the attackers can destroy the caravan and they get all the stuff that's in it. And at least from, you know, the stuff I've seen so far, it's not like 10 gold and, you know, a bunch of leather. It's actual items and, and good stuff that are going to be in there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the long run. They showed off a female armor set in the game. Um, it looked like scale, scale mail and they were calling it plate. So I laughed a lot at myself about that. Um, they talked about iteration of the armor and how to fit it to the body and the genders and races. Um and they talked about that fine line of practical female armor versus overly revealing ridiculous female armor. And it's important to them to not have those plate bikini style armors in their game. Um, you know, as a male, I do actually like a more realistic armor on a female model. Like I know there's games that don't do that and it's all about exaggeration, but Ash as a creation will not be one of those. Uh, they talked about lighting and how it's important to understand how the armor is going to look and stuff like that. And they talked about character creation and how lighting is going to affect that. Um, they showed off some great looking shields. The game has incredible detail on a very s small level. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how that holds up over development. Like we were talking about, you know, um, the, the small things being really high fidelity. Um, as an example, Elder Scrolls Online, like they do a terrible job of this. They have some really great looking armors. But when you zoom in on someone or you meet a new NPC for the first time, like it's all low texture for a couple seconds and you're you're right there. And then it just pops in with this great texture and it, uh, it's really jarring and pulls you out of this great experience. So hopefully Ashes of Creation and the other MMOs that are coming up right now can find a way to have that fidelity at the zoomed in level and not crush performance and not be a jarring pop. Um, they showed off some mount stuff barding and armor and stuff like that for your your mounts they talked about the system it's going to be modular pieces so you can mix and match uh, different things cosmetically and also things that have a, a benefit uh their cloth physics were mentioned there is going to be a lot of cloth physics in the game like on vendor tents and caravans and your armor and stuff like that but it's at this time it's too too early to tell what level those will all have like it's uh it's going to come down to testing and a performance priority uh, they showed off a waterfall, a new waterfall in the game. And I, I got to be honest, it's one of the best waterfalls I've ever seen in a game. And I wish I could describe it with with good words here to do it justice. But you just got to go and see it. Um, the flow, the particle effects for like an MMO in Alpha Zero. I was really impressed by it. And not just the water itself, but like the river above it, how it was shaped and how it looked. And, you know, the, the river below it and how it fell and all that kind of stuff. Um, they talked about Unreal Engine 5 very briefly and how they're keeping an eye on it. And if no one has seen the Unreal Engine 5 tech demo, go and watch that. 
I was blown away. So let's, really, can we really can impressive. we jump off topic? I mean, this is already a long show. Let's ride it. So Unreal Five <laughs> Engine video, you brought it up, so I'm blaming you for this. This is a hot right. topic for me. So let's we're gonna we're gonna get right back to Ashes of Creation, everybody. Everyone is this is this is the first rewind minus driving us off a cliff. Um, Won't be the last. It will not be the last. Um, <laughs> the the Unreal Engine Five tech demo showed on a PlayStation. And then yeah. everybody saying PlayStation's going to crush Xbox is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because if we uh, want to get stupid with that, let's just watch a movie. Oh my God, look at how realistic this movie <laughs> looks on my Xbox or regular. Oh my gosh, it is so ridiculous to me when a tech demo is shown on a piece of hardware and we're like, that's the best thing ever. It's a tech mm. demo. Go back and look at yeah. tech demos from the old systems. They look amazing too. And there's probably never a game that looked like them. I just No, I think people buy into tech <sighs> demos in a big way. And it's just, it'll never look like that. No, um, no. Some things might, like the photogrammetry, that's going to probably look really good. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I'm sorry. I sidetracked off a cliff. We can, I'm, I, here's my rogue rope, guys. I'm pulling you back up off the cliff so we can get <laughs> back on track. But Unreal, like engine displays, like it's just like, Okay. But anyway, yeah. Back to yeah. you. <laughs> uh the last section in their their uh dev stream was the QA section. And there's too much to cover here. Like all sorts of stuff was talked about. And we we're already an hour and a half almost. So uh, if anybody is interested, go check out the stream. The QA section starts at one hour and thirteen minutes. It goes for about thirty minutes. Um so if you're interested in the game, they do a great job of catching some good questions from the community. And they always post a forum post about a week in advance and let people post their questions there. They don't do it live too much. Um, so they can screen for the best ones. And just watching these like over and over, um, they don't screen for, for safe questions. You know, they don't screen for questions that they can answer and with, uh, without revealing too much. They actually really screen for new questions. Like so many things have been asked before about the game. Um, so if you have a unique question, like go post it in the forums rather than other places. Like I asked some questions in their Discord and their Discord's kind of a mess in my opinion. It's largely unmoderated and the community members who take it upon themselves to moderate the question section, I think are a little burnt out. You know, they they just didn't understand how much time it would take to constantly be re re-answering these questions that pop up throughout the days. Like I think the one about Unreal Engine 5 has been asked close to a hundred times now, and the people are just like they're screaming at at uh intrepid studios to add it to the frequently asked questions and i think that took a couple days so if you guys do have a question i recommend taking it to the forums rather than anywhere else um final piece of ashes creation news i want to talk about is actually community side of things uh chase masters uh known to some as chaser x uh, and the founder and creator of the pantheon mmorpg facebook group has just opened up a sort of offshoot group for ashes of creation um, it follows the same format as the Pantheon page, and it'll just be a really great positive place for people to discuss the game and its development. So if you're interested in the game uh, and finding a good group of people to talk about, um, check out the description. We'll have a link to the Ashes of Creation MMORPG Facebook group. Um, even just search that up, you'll find it very, very easy to find. And finally, a little bit of future news. Speaking of PlayStation 5, they're having a game showcase that will be happening on June 4th to show off, you know, the first lineup of stuff. June 5th, Funcom is going to be unveiling a new unannounced game. So thanks to Chaser X actually for sending me info on that one. And a little further out, Blizzard will be hosting a Shadowlands reveal event on June 9th because BlizzCon has been officially canceled, uh, isn't slated for 
early 2021. How excited do you think Blizzard is that that's canceled? They they have been striking out with BlizzCons for a bit, right? Yeah. They know they have to deliver them. Like they have to have them and they probably don't have enough that people, what they want to see on Diablo. So they give them more time. It's interesting. I I think it's, it's smart, you know, not just because of the global stuff, but for her just being able to have a BlizzCon again, that will knock everyone's socks off and not be marred in controversy. Um, It's lucky that they could, you know, cancel it with this sort of global thing as their excuse rather than maybe not having the best showing. I'm super stoked for Diablo four though. Like I am going to be a super nerd for that game and throw all the money at them for the collector's edition. If there is one, I got one behind me right here. So I feel you there. Right on. Well, that's all I got for the genre news guys. All right. A little bit longer of an episode today, but not by that much, only about 10 minutes or so over. It's not bad. So there's just a lot of exciting stuff going on in the Pantheon world. And if you're a fan of Ashes of Creation as well, then you just got a double shot of MMO hype. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for uh, checking us out, everybody. We always appreciate your support here for the Rewind. And as always, great job to Theric and Omega, my compadres. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content at Pantheon Plus on Twitter and Pantheon Plus on both Twitch and YouTube. Follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. And be sure to follow Omega Contagion at Discord via the name Omega Contagion 6023. And of course, in the Facebook group, Pantheon MMORPG. Until next time.